guys. Welcome to Hope Denver. We're so excited to be back in person. Feels kind of funny to use a mic, but I think with the wind, we probably need it. So, um, so good to see you guys. And happy Father's Day to all of the dads out there. We're so thankful for you guys. Thank you for all you do for your families. Uh, special happy Father's Day to my father-in-law, Phil, who's here, and my husband, Ike. Um, you guys are great, and we're so thankful for you. Tonight, we are in our Philippians series, and our sermon for tonight is titled, Imitating the Humility of Christ. So if you're taking notes in your phone or on paper, you can go ahead and title it, Imitating the Humility of Christ. And we don't have any kind of graphics tonight, so I would highly encourage you, if you have your phone with you, to go ahead and get out the Bible app and go to Philippians chapter 2. We're going to be in verses 1 through 11 of chapter 2. And we're going to be reading from the message version of the Bible tonight. So if you're able to switch to that translation in your Bible, go ahead and do that. Um, but just plan on following along because we won't be having any kind of screens tonight. Um, but like I said, we're in our Philippian series. It's been off to a good start. And just a little refresh on the book of Philippians. Um, the Apostle Paul wrote this as a letter to the Christian church in Philippi. And... Uh, he was writing this letter from prison and he's exhorting the believers to stand firm in the spirit against external and also spiritual opposition. So Paul knew that the church, the Christian church is constantly under opposition by the enemy. And he also know, knew that the enemy seeks to sow disunity and discord within the church and also sends persecution, oh my goodness, and attack from outside as well. So Paul is deeply concerned with the well-being of his Christian converts, and he's instructing them on how they can build a healthy church through building healthy relationships with each other. And Paul, he was wise, and he knew that self-focus and that pride, that they erode relationships, and that even in the strongest of relationships, that love can erode over time when there's unresolved conflict between brothers and sisters in Christ. And so Paul is warning the believers against engaging in any kind of behavior that's going to destroy relationships. And instead, he's encouraging them to constantly pursue love and unity in all things. So that's what we're going to be talking about tonight. We're, like I said, it's Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. Let's go ahead and pray, and then we'll get started reading the scripture tonight. Dear Lord, we thank you for this night. Lord, thank you that we get to be together in person. What a blessing it is to worship together, to see each other, to actually be close in proximity, Lord. It's, it's a blessing, and we're thankful that we're able to do this. We pray that, that this would continue. We pray for um, just a, an end and a slow to COVID in our, in our nation, Lord. Um, we pray that you would help us to, to continue to be able to meet this way throughout the summer, and Lord, that you'd make a way for us to eventually be back in our building. We just pray for protection on everyone here. We pray for an openness in our hearts to receive to receive from you tonight, Lord, that we would hear what you want us to hear and that we would take home with us something tonight that would follow us into our week and draw us near to you and um, help us to be more loving to the people around us. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, like I said, we're in Philippians 2, so we're going to go ahead and start at verse 1. Um, this title is entitled, He Took On the Status of a Slave. If you've gotten anything at all out of following Christ, if his love has made any difference in your life, if being in a community of the Spirit means anything to you, if you have a heart, if you care, 
then do me a favor. Agree with each other. Love each other. Be deep-spirited friends. Don't push your way to the front. Don't sweet-talk your way to the top. Put yourself aside and help others get ahead. Don't be obsessed with getting your own advantage. Forget yourselves long enough to lend a helping hand. Think of yourselves the way Christ Jesus thought of himself. He had equal status with God, but didn't think so much of himself that he had to cling to the advantages of that status no matter what. Not at all. When the time came, he set aside the privileges of deity and took on the status of a slave, became human. Having become human, he stayed human. It was an incredibly humbling process. He didn't claim special privileges. Instead, he lived a selfless, obedient life and then died a selfless, obedient death. And the worst kind of death at that, a crucifixion. Because of that obedience, God lifted him high and honored him far beyond anyone or anything ever, so that all created things in heaven and on earth, even those long ago dead and buried, will bow in worship before this Christ Jesus and call out in praise that he is master of all to the glorious honor of God the Father. So in these verses, we can hear this fatherly love for the Philippian believers, that Paul had this paternal instinct toward them. And the loving brotherhood that he describes in those first verses is the kind of love that you would hear in a mother or father and that they would dream of for their children to share with their siblings. This is what any parent would hope, would hope that the relationship between their, their children would be. And this is God's father heart for us as well. Paul says, he says, agree with each other. And I think that's probably one of the most difficult instructions that he gives in this whole passage because we as Christians, we tend to disagree about a lot of things and get pretty contentious because we feel really strongly about stuff. But, and obviously I don't think Paul expected the Philippians to see perfectly eye to eye on anything. I don't think that's what he's saying, but I think he is urging them to, to have this attitude of peace with one another. He's urging them to approach each other with an attitude of camaraderie and teamwork. He's asking them to put unity first. Unity in the church is crucial. We should always be focusing more on what unites us rather than what divides us. And also we don't need to spend a ton of time or energy arguing about minutia on, what, on which we may disagree. Paul urges the Philippians to let their bond and belief in Christ minimize all other disagreements. Paul says, please love each other and be deep-spirited friends. We're meant to be in deep relationship with other Christians. Your best friends should be other Christians, other believers, because we can support one another as we pursue Christ together. Being deep-spirited friends, it means that, that your friends know the dark things about you, the hard things about you, as well as the joys and the triumphs of your life. These are people who, who go beyond the surface of your life. And this is why the, the Bible urges us not to neglect the fellowship of believers, not to neglect meeting together as a body, as a church. And that's why we've done all this crazy stuff, to continue having a sense of community, a sense of cohesion, even in the midst of a global health crisis. We're meant to walk through life with other believers. Paul continues saying this, he says, don't push your way to the front. Don't sweet talk your way to the top. So Christian friendship, it means that we aren't trying to compete with others. 
which is so different from relationships that we see in the world. We aren't trying to impress other people. We aren't concerned with our own status at all. Paul says, put yourself aside and help others get ahead. Don't be obsessed with getting your own advantage. Forget yourselves long enough to lend a helping hand. So Paul is saying, he's saying, go even further than just eschewing selfishness to actually serving others. Make it your goal to bless others and make their lives better. I'm really regretting my habit of paper instead of an iPad at this point. (laughs) Um, Build others up. Help other people achieve their goals. Don't be so focused on your own advantage in life that you don't have time to help others do what they'd want to do in life and make them succeed. This is a big one in our culture because we live in such an individualistic and success-driven culture. And it's countercultural to spend time doing something that doesn't benefit us directly. Actually, volunteerism even is sometimes seen as a way to advance someone's career or their social status. People volunteer or take on causes to look attractive to others on social media or to get ahead in their, in their business. And volunteering is important, but a life of service goes beyond simply volunteering. A life of service is a series of little decisions every day that help others. It's about what is your day oriented around? Are you oriented around your own desires and your own needs? Or do you find ways to meet the needs of others around you? Is that one of the ways that you're oriented? Let's go ahead and revisit verses five through eight. Think of yourselves the way Christ Jesus thought of himself. He had equal status with God, but didn't think so much of himself that he had to cling to the advantages of that status no matter what. Not at all. When the time came, he set aside the privileges of deity and took on the status of a slave, became human. Having become human, he stayed human. It was an incredibly humbling process. He didn't claim special privileges. Instead, he lived a selfless, obedient life and then died a selfless, obedient death. And the worst kind of death at that, a crucifixion. So what Paul is doing here is he's emphasizing the unfathomable humility of Christ. How amazing is it that God chose to cast aside the privileges of deity to become a servant and a sacrifice for sinners? And Paul is saying, how much more so then should we, as humble human beings, how much more so should we lay down our lives for other believers and other people? We should imitate the humility and the love and the servanthood of Christ. Our selflessness as a people should be our defining attribute. This is what it means to apprentice ourselves to the way of Jesus. It means laying down our lives and giving up our privileges to serve others. Let's continue at verse 9. Because of that obedience, God lifted him high and honored him far beyond anyone or anything ever, so that all created beings in heaven and on earth Even those long ago dead and buried will bow in worship before this Jesus Christ and call out in praise that he is the master of all to the glorious honor of God the Father. So God rewarded Jesus for his obedience. Jesus is exalted above all beings and all things in heaven and on earth. And God did this so that all people, even those who are long ago dead, will worship Jesus, will worship God forever. And likewise, God wants us to love and obey like Jesus so that all day, all day, one day, all people will worship before Jesus and honor God the Father. 
that all people may know the love of God as you and I know the love of God. And I think sometimes it can be easier to love God than to love people, right? It's so easy to love God because God is perfect. He's good. He's kind. And people are tough. They hurt us. They argue with us. They disappoint us. They label us. But God commands us to love and to serve others. And serving is a hands-on experience. It's not something that you can do from, from far away. It's something we do up close and personal. It requires relationship and it requires sacrifice. And a lifetime of meaningful service can only really spring from a humble heart. And imitating the humility of Christ, it means being fixed on the needs of others rather than on gratifying and aggrandizing the self. God knows that selfishness is the enemy of relationships and peace and unity. And he sent Jesus not only as a sacrifice for our sins, but also as an example that how we should serve others. Jesus wasn't obsessed with maintaining his own status because he was secure. He was secure in his identity as a beloved son of God. And so he was able instead, instead of working towards his own status, his own privileges, he was able to focus all of his energy on blessing and serving others. And I think we have an opportunity as Christians to be different than our culture, that instead of spending our energy trying to maintain our own status, trying to prop ourselves up, trying to make ourselves look good, that we would rest in our status as beloved children of God, that we would rest in that status and instead put all of our energy and all of our time into serving others and making their lives better. There are two aspects of humility that I think are particularly poignant for us right now in our current cultural moment. I think that we have a huge opportunity more than ever to shine like stars in a very dark world. That's what we're meant to do. That's what Christ planned for us to do. We're here to shine in the darkness. And I think that there's two ways that our humility can shine especially bright in the darkness right now. The first is this. I think that we can shine for Jesus with our humble posture. And I'm going to tell you what I mean by that. So, So something that troubles me in our culture right now is that due to political polarization, to social media and the medium of the screen, we're living in a time of bombastic and arrogant speech. It's really ugly. And really all you have to spend is five minutes on social media to know what I'm talking about. All you see there is you see prideful words, you see haughty declarations, hateful and spiteful commentary, um, contentiousness. And what an opportunity. I think we look at that and we mourn. We mourn where our society is. But what an opportunity for believers to be a bright spot in that darkness of our current cultural moment. What if instead of contributing one more prideful voice in the cacophony, that we shocked someone, that we surprised someone with a kind word or with an insightful question? What if we try to learn instead instead of trying to assert our own opinions? And now don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that we, if to have a humble posture means that we can't hold closely and dearly the biblical truths that we will never abandon. What I'm talking about is an attitude of humility. I'm talking about an attitude that says, maybe I don't understand all the complexities of this issue. Or there is something for me to learn from every person I encounter, even if I disagree with a lot of what they have to say. It's an attitude of saying, I'm never done learning. I'm not trying to prove anyone wrong. I'm not trying to shame anyone. I assume the best about other people when we disagree. I use gracious words when I talk to people, 
and I give people the benefit of the doubt. This is what a humble posture is. I think sometimes we get so caught up in the frenzy of trying to assert our opinions and our beliefs that we forget that the goal of our lives is for us to be bringing people into the kingdom of God rather than pushing them further and further away with our off-putting behavior. And people should find Christianity attractive because of how we love one another and show that love to others. That's what should be attractive and why people should want to be believers. We should be attractive because we're different than the world. Secondly, I believe we're in a time in which gracious hearts are desperately needed. In Christianity, we use the term servant's heart sometimes to describe people who have the heart of Jesus towards others. And unfortunately, I think that phrase has become a bit stale in Christian culture just because it's been overused. But a servant's heart is a gracious heart. And a gracious heart is always on the lookout for ways to bless others. Even the people that weird us out or bother us. Uh, the The writer Bob Goff, he wrote this in his book, Everybody Always, and I wanted to share this quote with you. He says this, he says, it's easy to love kind, lovely, humble people. I mean, who wouldn't? These are the ones I've spent much of my life loving. Loving the people who are easy to love made me feel like I was really good at it because the people I loved were kind and wonderful. They made sure they told me what a great job I was doing loving them. But I've come to realize though, is that I was avoiding the people I didn't understand and the ones who lived differently than me. Here's why, some of them creeped me out. Sure, I was polite to them, but sadly, I've spent my whole life avoiding the people Jesus spent his whole life engaging. God's idea isn't that we would just give and receive love, but that we could actually become love. People who are becoming love see the beauty in others, even when their off-putting behavior makes for a pretty weird mask. What Jesus told his friends can be summed up can be summed up in this way. He wants us to love everybody always and start with the people who creep us out. The truth is we probably creep them out as much as they do us. So this is the the way of Jesus. The way of Jesus is having a gracious heart towards others, loving people, even the ones who creep us out. A gracious heart is a servant's heart. A gracious heart is a person who's secure in the love that God has for them. It's a person who says, I'm loved by God and I want you to know that same love. We are equal in value and worth. And I don't need to put other people down to make myself feel better because I'm secure in who I am in Jesus. It's a person who says, how can I meet the needs of other people today? How can I bless others today? How can I orient my life around the theme of service? Here's the thing is we're never going to change the world by being like it. And if we think that contentiousness and slander and hatred and pride and anger will do any good for the world or for building the kingdom of God in our midst, we're fooling ourselves. The kingdom is built through sacrifice and humility and love. And Jesus showed us that way. He taught us how to do that. Let's pray tonight that we'll be people who walk in the humility of Christ and that the world will be attracted to our love and come to know that Jesus is the Lord. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this time to be together. We pray that as we let these words percolate in our hearts and our minds, these scriptures, Lord, that you would remind us of your amazing humility, Jesus, that we would be brought to humility ourselves as we consider how humble you were in in laying down your life and in serving others, and that we would be 
inspired to do the same, Lord, that we would be inspired to, to give everything we have to, to, that other people may know you, Jesus, that other people may come to see your love for them. And we just come to you today and we thank you. We thank you for your sacrifice. We pray that you'd help us to walk in your way. In Jesus' name, amen.